day. Thank you for the opportunity to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this morning. Lord, we pray that your will will be done. Lord, that uh, we'd be receptive to what you have for us this morning. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, most importantly, Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that you would speak to hearts. Lord, pray that if there's one here that's discouraged or disheartened, Lord, that is uh, away from you, Lord, we ask that you would draw them uh, nigh unto you, Lord, and Lord, that you would just do a great and mighty work in our midst, that we would give you the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. be a bit different today. We're out without a pianist, so we get to sing a cappella. Go ahead and turn to 571. 571. We'll do the first, second, and last. Everybody ready? Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory while we walk the pilgrim pathway. Clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory onward to the prize before us soon his beauty will behold soon the pearly gates will open we shall tread the streets of gold when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Alrighty, now turn back to 566. 566. <clears throat> when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saint of us shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder, when 
shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen ones shall gather over on the other side and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the from the dawn till setting sun let us talk of all his love and wondrous care then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. All right, let's gather around, shake hands, say hi. <clears throat> When you get back to your seats, 555. Hymn number 555, Face to Face with Christ. <coughs> Face. 
face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face I shall behold him, far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. Only faintly now I see him with the darkening veil between. But a blessed day is coming when his glory shall be seen. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. On the last, face to face, oh blissful moment, face to face to see and know, face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. <laughs> Aren't you glad we'll get to see him one day? Amen. And for those that have passed on before us, they're already there. They get to see his glory, and they're waiting for us to be there with him as well. Pray your hearts for them. Amen. Well, I do appreciate you being here this morning, just so you know, so you can plan, uh, uh, just for the weather's sake, and uh, we have... A lot of folks out this morning, and so what we're going to do is we're just going to have the one service this morning, no afternoon service, and uh, so just wanting to let you be aware of that, and uh, of course, there's always messages in the archives if you feel, ah, I just really didn't get enough today. I hope that you do, uh, but if you didn't, you know, there's always messages in the archives you can look up and uh, listen to uh, one of the podcasts or whatever, um, and we appreciate, again, you being here. Pray for those that are unable to be here. There's some that are sick. There's some that are just the weather being so cold, uh, just unable to be here this morning. So you pray for them, and I uh, know that uh, uh, they appreciate that. do appreciate you being here, as I said, and I hope and pray that you've already been blessed already. You know, just because we don't have very many here today doesn't mean that the Lord doesn't, isn't going to be with us. And I've, I've been praying. I've, I pray all week asking the Lord to be in our services and to just do a great work in my heart 
and in the hearts of his people, and I know that he will. And so we're going to uh, uh, preach a message this morning that I've titled, The High Price of Living in Sin. The High Price of Living in Sin. Now, I can tell you this, that when you preach against sin, it's not a popular subject these days. And many pulpits that we hear about in, the, in America today, they don't want to hear that you're living in sin, the things that you're doing is sinful. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the things that we do when we're away from the Lord, uh, and we think that we're getting away with it. But the fact of the matter is this, is that God sees it all. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the good and the evil. He sees everything we're doing. So if we think we're getting by, we think we're hiding it from God, we may be able to hide it from everybody else, but we can't hide it from God. And as you study the book of Judges, uh, uh, there's a clear pattern that emerges from studying this book. The children of Israel would serve the Lord as long as things were going well, and as long as they had a good leader, uh, things would go well, and and they were uh, praising the Lord and just happy to be uh, a child of God, if you will. But when the leader passed off the scene, they fell back into their old sins and their old ways. Uh, when they sinned, God used a pagan nation uh, living around them to chastise Israel, to, to uh, discomfort them. And, and uh, he allowed their enemies to afflict and oppress Israel to show them the high price of living in sin. There's a high price of living in sin. Now we're going to be in Judges chapter number 6 uh, this morning. Judges chapter number 6, we're going to read the first 10 verses um, the Bible says in Judges chapter number 6, speaking of Gideon here, uh, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against them, or against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens uh, which are in the mountains and caves and Strongholds, And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou came unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because the Midianites and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the land, out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all the oppressed you, and drave them out from before you and gave them your land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but ye have not obeyed. My voice. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for, uh, Lord, just for being uh, good to us. And Lord, we thank you for the, the valleys. We thank you for the victories, the trials and the triumphs. Lord, we thank you for all things. Lord, I ask this morning that, you're, that you would be magnified. Lord, that your word would be 
glorified and that uh, the Holy Spirit would be present and uh, Lord deal with our hearts as we look at this subject of the high price of living in sin. Lord we ask that you would do a great work that only you could get the praise, the glory, and the honor for. Thank you again for all that you do in Jesus name. Amen. In chapter 6 we're introduced to a man by the name of Gideon. Uh, his, man, his name means he who cuts down. When Gideon appears, he is an unlikely choice to be a deliverer, to be a judge, to be one of the leaders. Uh, he's hiding out for, in fear of Israel's enemies. There in verse 11, you can read that. Uh, he, uh, Gideon was guilty of fear and faithlessness. Uh, he, he was faithless, and, uh, but he was God's choice to be the next judge of Israel, and God used him in a wonderful way. Aren't you thankful that God can use the weak things in this world? Aren't you thankful that God can use you, and God could use me, and God could use anyone that is just a, a, a vessel that God can use there? Just before we look into the life of Gideon, we're going to consider the text that lies before us here today in verses 1 through 10. These verses set the stage uh, for the ministry of Gideon and what is going to happen in Israel. We may talk about that next week. I don't know. As the Lord leads, we'll just look at that. But they also hold some special, powerful lessons in our lives that we can learn as well. These verses here in verses 1 through 10 teach us that the truth of disobedience uh, to the will of the Lord in our lives carries a high price, a penalty that, that we don't want to pay, that we really can't pay. And let's notice the lessons that can be gleaned from these verses and how we can apply it to our lives as I preach on this subject, the high price of living in sin. Number one, I want you to notice the sin that they embraced. Look again there in verse one. It says, the Bible simply says, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now what a bad thing, to, what a horrible thing to be said about us is that we did an evil thing in the sight of the Lord. But can I tell you and remind you this morning that your sins, whether it be big or small in your eyes, is evil in the sight of the Lord? Oh, what we want to do is we want to say, oh, I'm not a murderer, I'm not a uh, whoremonger, I'm not this, I'm not that. And we cast our eyes on other people and say, oh, we're better than them. But can I tell you that your sins uh, are evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, maybe they're not as, uh, in our eyes, in our opinions, maybe we don't uh, value them as, as, as evil as somebody else's sins. But the Bible says this, but they comparing themselves and measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. We're not to compare ourselves with ourselves or with other people. We're to compare ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we do so, we realize that we fall short on every occasion. You see, we don't know what the sin was that they did, we can only assume that it was the same sin that they've been guilty of in the past. Israel was surrounded by pagan nations and who worshipped uh, pagan gods, and they, they were surrounded by people who were constantly, they were continually trying to draw Israel away from their God, their only true God, and into their own wicked ways and ungodly lifestyles. Can I tell you that the people that you associate with will do the same thing to you today? 
They'll do the same thing uh, to you today. Draw you. They're going to try to draw you away from uh, the things of God. And, hey, they'll say, hey, let's go do this. And you know it's not right. And you decide, you know what? It's okay. I, I, I won't. Uh, partake in their activities I'll just watch I'll just be there and the fact of the matter is is that sooner or later that sin can creep into your life if you're not uh, you're not careful see as long as Israel had a strong leadership and uh, they were able to live clean and when their leadership failed they wandered away from the Lord and Israel was weak they were a vacillating people who had trouble staying on course with the Lord sounds like us doesn't it we're weak, and we constantly are in trouble of, of staying on course with the Lord. Well, let's not be too hard on these folks. I'm preaching to a group of people that face the same weaknesses, the same problems. Every one of us deals with areas of weaknesses, uh, areas of sin in our own lives. And there are areas in our lives where, where we seem to have a constant struggle. The book, book of Hebrew refers to these sins or these areas as a sin that so easily besets us. It's that sin that it just seems like you can't get the victory over. That word easily beset means to skillfully uh, surround. Our flesh loves sin. I don't have to tell you that. You know it. Our flesh loves sin and our enemy, Satan, is a shrewd enemy. And he knows our weaknesses. He knows how to entice us and to draw us away from, into evil. Satan lays the traps for us because he knows what makes us tick. It's not his first day on the job. See, every person here has those areas in life that cause trouble from time to time. There are areas that you're weak. Some have the problem with language, maybe. I'm not talking about Spanish or I'm talking about filthy language. I, I've talked to, I had friends that, uh, I, I have a close friend of mine, I'm not going to mention uh, their name, uh, but they had, that was one of their areas that they just had the hardest time to get the victory over. And they said, he said, I, I just, I just had a filthy mouth. And he, he worked on it, worked on it. The Lord finally gave him the victory. But, you know, it could be the, the problem with uh, the things that we say. Maybe not necessarily bad curse words, but maybe negative words. Maybe things that draw people away. Maybe it's different things such as that. Some have areas of stubbornness and uh, uh, unwilling to be submissive to God. Some have the problem with gossip. Some have issues with sexual sin, bad habits, and, and, and bad attitudes, and anger, and bitterness, and gluttony. Hey, it doesn't matter the sin. Some have a pull towards alcohol and drugs. People struggle in many different ways. See, you know that area that's where you're weak at. I don't have to remind you. You know what it is. See, that... You'll have problem, that area that you have a problem overtaking that temptation. If you want to succeed in the fight with sin, there are a few de definite steps that you need to take. Number one, don't get near the traps. Don't get near the traps. If you know that there's an area of danger in your life, stay away from that danger. Now, here's an illustration. Everybody in here know how much I love snakes, right? Okay, I hate snakes. I got a book this week. I'm not gonna. 
I got a book this week someone gave me about snake handling. I'm not reading it. I'm throwing it in the trash, okay? Uh, I don't believe in it, okay? Uh, it's just of the devil. But anyways, if there was a whole pit of snakes, I mean, just all kinds of you know, vipers and just cobras and just, I mean, just all kinds of snakes over on this side. Now, do you think for one minute that I'm going to go On the other side over here. Actually, I'm running as fast as I can out the building. If there are snakes over here, I'm out of here. But listen, I know that's silly, but listen to this. There are traps that we want to tiptoe around. And before you know it, it's going to get us. Just like those snakes, it's going to get you. If you try to... Uh, get involved in those things, sooner or later, it's going to get you. Don't get near the traps. Satan is out to get you. You need to keep your distance. This is what we're guilty of, hovering the line. Well, I know it's not necessarily sin, but it's really close to it. So I'll just get as close to the edge as I can. going to happen. Stay away. Get, don't get near the traps. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you, and he knows what it takes to get you. But then I want you to also look for an avenue of escape. Look for an avenue of escape. Uh, uh, there in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Bible gives us a promise there in verse 13 uh, that God will make a way of an escape. And he's given us a way of an escape out of our temptations, but it's up to us. God's made the way. We're able to get through it, but if we choose to go through the snares and go through the traps, it's our own fault. It's our own fault for doing those things. But then learn to consider yourself dead to sin and its influences. You're dead to sin and its influence. Determine in your heart to serve God and Him only. I'm not going to serve self. I'm going to live for God. Sin is a constant problem for everyone, but it does not have to dominate and control our lives. We can have the victory through our, our fellowship and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I want you to notice number two. There in verses one through six, notice the suffering that they endured. Notice their suffering. I'm not going to read it again, but the Bible says there uh, that the Midianites uh, came about and, and just they took their sustenance and they, they, I mean, they took everything that they had. But I want you to notice these verses tell us that there's a terrible price Israel paid because of their sin. It goes back to verse 1. It says, uh, there in verse 1, it says, And did Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And this is why. This is what happens as because they've done evil in the sight of the Lord, these are the things that they suffered. You see, why they suffered this, uh, serves to remind us that we do not get away with our sins. We might think we can hide it. We might think that no one else finds out about it. But the truth is, God knows 
and that it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to come out in his time, and it will be exposed. See, let's examine what Israel endured because of their sins. As, as we do, let us remind, be reminded that the same judgment or worse can be upon us if we fail to live for the Lord. Notice there in verse 1 through 2, they suffered invasion. Invasion. Israel was oppressed by Midianites. The Midianites were descendants of Abraham, just like the Israelites were. The descendants, they descended from, the, uh, from a man by the name of Midian. Midian was the son of uh, Abraham and Keturah, and Keturah was Abraham's uh, uh, wife after Sarah died. And the Midianites appeared from time to time in the Bible. Moses married a Midianite woman named Zipporah. And uh, after he fled from Egypt, and in Numbers, the Midianites were counseled by Balaam to seduce the Israelite men. Uh, and, and as a result, there was over 24,000 Israelites that died, Numbers chapter 25. Uh, the, the word Midian in itself means strife. The Midianites are a clear picture of the conflict the world has around us, uh, the world around us has with the truth of God that we're to believe and obey. You see, they are pictured as, as, a, corrupt, as a corrupt world and it's, its desire to draw people away from the things of God. The only reason the Midianites had power over the people of, of God, the children of Israel, was because the people of God were unfaithful to the Lord. See, this, their sin lowered the wall of separation between them and the world. Israel got into trouble because they refused to walk with the Lord. Can I just tell you, can I remind you that it's so easy for Satan. It's so easy for the darts, for, Dayton, uh, for Satan to throw at you when you're just a standing target. And you've loosened away from God and you've taken down all the barriers that God has set up and, and God has tried to protect you. And God, but you've said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do this on my own. You're an easy target. See, when we refuse to stay close to the Lord and, and live according to his word, we, uh, all, we open ourselves up for affliction in our lives. Often our troubles arrive directly as foolish decisions. Our sinful translates to weakness, and our weakness invites our enemy, uh, the enemies of righteousness to attack us. Our weakness often results in our being invaded by, attacked by, and overran by the world. But then notice that they suffered imprisonment. Look there in verse 2. It says, And the hand of Midian prevailed against uh, Israel, and because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made them uh, the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. The oppression of Israel made the Midianites resulted, uh, uh, the oppression of Israel by the Midianites resulted in Israel's losing their will to fight. They ran away and they hid themselves in the, in the mountains, in the caves, and their sin made them weak. It caused them to lose their will to fight. It, it left them utterly defeated. When we allow sin to reign in our lives, we'll find the same thing is true. Sin robs us of our character. It leaves us unwilling and unable to fight. When we allow sin to rule in our hearts, we become apathetic. 
we become lifeless and lethargic, if you will, in our Christian life. Sin causes us to hide and fear while the enemy takes us everything that we have. There are people in this room that have been imprisoned by their sins. You've allowed certain actions and ways of living to dominate you so long that you have lost your will and ability to fight. You're a prisoner in your own life and you hide in fear from actions you think you cannot control. The fact is this, that Jesus has the power to set you free, to make you free, but you cannot hide in fear of your sins and enjoy the Lord's freedom. If you, want, if you would be free, you must deal with your sin. You must confess your sin. You must repent of it. You must forsake it. And you can be free. But you've got to be proactive in this. It will not just simply happen by itself. Well, you know, I'm just walking along. No, you've got to, you've got to want to live for God. You've got to have a desire to seek His face. But then I want you to notice they suffered impoverishment. Look there in verse 3 through 6 there. It says, And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they, and they encamped against them, and, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till uh, thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitudes, uh, for both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into their land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because the, uh, of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse 6 tells us that they were impoverished. This word means to make slack or feeble. It comes from a root word that speaks of a, uh, it, it talks about like, like a bucket dangling at the end of a rope. It's a picture of helplessness and hopelessness. It's a picture of people at the very end of the rope. Israel saw everything they, they loved taken away from them. Uh, they planted their fields in verse 3, and, and their enemies came and took away their crops. They saw their livestock taken away, verse 4, and they were left with no sustenance, the Bible says. They were literally made weak, and they were literally at the end of their rope. Everything they valued was taken away from them. They were left with nothing. Can I, tell you, can I remind you, that's what sin does. It strips us of everything we value and everything we live for. It leaves us slack, wanting more and weak and, and at the end of our rope. If you choose to live your life under the control of sin, don't be surprised when you look around and there's nothing there. I've seen some people who have chosen sin over their spouse and their marriage is gone. I've seen some people raise their children to be the best, to, to have the best, and uh, to do the best, but they fail to raise their, and teach them to love the Lord. And often those parents see their children walk away from the Lord. Some people live for material things, forgetting, uh, forgetting this material world is fleeting. 
when they, they end this life, they have nothing. Some people get caught up with getting, uh, getting out of their way all the time. They have to have their way all the time. They forget that they must step on the feelings and, and needs of others to get what they want. See, I don't know what you're investing in today. But I do know that investing in anything but Jesus pays dividends far beyond what you want to reap. I do know that investing in Jesus pays off dividends that are eternal. What are you investing in today? And then the last thing, notice the security they invaded. There in verse 7 through 10, when the impression of Israel became too great, became too great, they called on the Lord again. God heard their cry. By the way, isn't God gracious to us? No matter how many times we failed Him, no matter how many times we turn away into our sins, He's always there to forgive, to receive us and to restore us back into that fellowship with Him. Thank God for His grace, His faithfulness, His mercy. God heard their cry but he did not give them a deliverer immediately. If you'll notice there in verses 7 through 10, God sent them an unnamed prophet instead. And he sent them a man of God with a word from heaven. This prophet's message was designed to remind them who they were. It was a message designed to confront their failures in the light of God's faithfulness. The prophet's message was designed to remind them of how good the Lord had been to them, and it was designed to remind them how they should have been living because of their relationship with the Lord. I want you to examine in closing and examine what this message says. Look there in verse 8 and 9 there. It says that the Lord, the, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you your land. They're reminded of God's deliverance, how God had delivered them. God had moved in a supernatural way to deliver Israel from their bondage in Egypt. God gave them a deliverer by the name of Moses. God demonstrated his power over and over again over the Egyptian gods through plagues and, uh, that fell on the land. God brought them out of there uh, in great power, parting the Red Sea. We remember, and walking over on dry ground. We remember the stories. If for nothing else, they should have been faithful to God because of his grace and his salvation in their life. God gave them, uh, God's grace have been even more real in their life than you can even imagine. But think about this, God's grace is even more real in our life. He's never parted the Red Sea for me. He's never sent plagues for me, but he did send his son on the cross to die for me. He, did, he, he loved me in spite of my sins. He did save me when I was unlovable. He did change my life just because I called on him by faith. 
For that reason alone, he deserves my, my faithfulness, my love, my devotion to him. I should not have been, I, I shouldn't have to be coddled to come to church and to serve the Lord. I shouldn't, shouldn't be upset when I don't get everything that I want. I shouldn't whine and gripe and complain about my lot in my life. I should, have, I should not have to be begged to serve the Lord. See, God's been good to us. We need to be reminded of God's deliverance in our lives. You see, I was on my way to hell. God saved me by His grace. Think back to how the Lord saved your soul. Does that fact that He saved you mean anything to you? It should mean everything. Then I want you to notice that these, this prophet reminded them of God's deeds. Not only did God deliver the, them from Egypt, God went with them every step of the way. He drove out their enemies. He led them. He led them. He fed them. He never failed them. Even when they failed him, God never failed them. He gave them a good land and blessed them far beyond what they deserved. They should have been faithful to him because of his blessings on their lives. Look around, look back, look in, look without, look, look up. All around we can see the evidence of God's blessings on our lives. He's blessed us materially, physically, financially, emotionally, materially, uh, and most of all spiritually. He has been faithful to us and he has given us his very best. I believe that we ought to be faithful to him out of the gratitude of all that he's done for us. Bible reminds us that every good gift comes from the Father above. Look at your blessings. Name them one by one. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? We need to be reminded of God's deeds. But then, the last thing, we're reminded of God's demands. God reminds them that He, not the God of the Amorites, or not the God of the, uh, the pagans, He is their God. His words here reminds us that he is a jealous God who will not allow those he has redeemed to go after other gods. He says, I'm a jealous God. Israel's made, made to see that they are suffering because they have failed to keep God first in their life. They have allowed other things to come ahead of him, and they have paid a high price for living in sin. See, the God, ha God hasn't changed this morning. He's still a jealous God. And if He has saved you, He has redeemed you by His wonderful blood and His grace, He expects you to live for Him and Him alone. He expects that you will live for, uh, live for Him, not for things. He expects you to, to walk with Him, to love Him, to live according to His will. When you do... I'm not saying that you'll never have problems. Don't, don't, don't uh, buy that uh, this morning. I'm not saying that you won't have problems. I'm saying this, that when we are living for God, we are doing as he would have us to do. We have his blessings on our life. You say, you mean that nothing ever bad is going to happen to me? No, 
the blessings is this, that God is with us no matter what. The blessing is this, that God will see you through. See, a lot of times we want to say, God, I'm living for you, but this thing came in my life. Do you realize this thing that comes into your life was sent there for a reason? To draw you closer to him? To bring you closer to him? To maybe help someone else out in their situation? See, look at your life right now. Let me ask you, who's first in your life? If anyone or anything else is first other than the Lord God, then you are in danger of living in sin and paying the high price for living in sin. In conclusion, living in sin carries a high price. What will your disobedience cost you if it continues? What price are you willing to pay for your sin? Some say, well... This sin that I really enjoy, it's worth it. Is it? Is that one few moments of enjoyment or pleasure or uh, entertainment or whatever the case may be, is it really worth being away, causing that sever between you and the Lord? Is it really worth it? If the Lord has spoken to your heart this morning, in any area, I'm going to challenge you to find a place at the altar. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. There's a high price for choosing to live in sin. See, the fact of the matter is this this morning. The choice is up to you. You can either live for the Lord or you can live for yourself. The choice is up to you. I can tell you this, I don't want to pay... I don't want to pay the high price for living in sin. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for just doing your will in our lives this morning. Lord, I ask that you would just continue to work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would have your will in your way. Lord, may we be receptive of what you have for us this morning. Thank you for how you spoke to my heart. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just... Uh, speak to our hearts as we have this invitation time in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just for a few moments, the altar is open. If God spoke to your heart, I'm going to challenge you and ask you to come at this moment. appreciate your attention this morning. do appreciate you being here. Let me give you a few announcements. I uh, just want to remind you of a few things this morning. Uh, I want to remind you on February the 1st, uh, 9 o'clock is our prayer breakfast. Make sure you come for that. Then on February the 11th, is uh, we're going we're gonna to have dinner at the Putnam Inn. This is on a Tuesday. Uh, uh, this is uh, for all couples that want to come and just enjoy. It's um, they, I believe they have a buffet there. You just come and I'm going to talk to them about renting out 